Wiggly Pages Presents A Case for Inspector Lark Part 2 Written by Ruskin Ball Performed by Vasu Chaturvedi To begin with, there was Mr. Kapoor, a wealthy businessman from Bombay who had a house in Panori. He was supposed to be an old admirer of the Rani's. I discovered that he had occasionally lent her money and that in spite her of his professed friendship for her, he had charged a high rate of interest. Then there were her immediate neighbors, an American missionary and his wife who had been trying to convert the Rani into Christianity, an English spinster of 70 who made no secret of the fact that she and the Rani had hated each other with great enthusiasm, a local counsellor and his family, who did not get on well with their aristocratic neighbour, and a tailor who kept his shop close by. None of these people had any powerful motive for killing the Rani, or none that I could discover. But the tailor's daughter interested me. Her name was Kusum. She was 12 or 13 years old, a thin dark girl with lovely eyes and a black and a swift, disarming smile. While I was making my routine inquiries in the vicinity of the Rani's house, I, re- I noticed that the girl always tried to avoid me. When I questioned her about the Rani and about her own movements on the day of the crime, she pretended to be very vague and stupid. But I could see that she was not stupid, and I became convinced that she knew something unusual about the Rani. She might even know something about the murder. She could have been protecting someone and and was afraid to tell me what she knew. Often, when I spoke to her in the violence of the Rani's death, I saw fear in her eyes. I began to think the girl's life might be in danger and I had a close watch kept on her. I liked her. I liked her youth and freshness and the innocence and wonder in her eyes. I spoke to her whenever I could, kindly and paternally. And though I knew she rather liked me and found me amusing, the ups and downs of the Panoli city and always left me panting for breath. And though I could see that she wanted to tell me something, she always held back at the last moment. Then, one afternoon, while I was in the Rani's house going through her effects, I saw something glistening in a narrow crack near the doorstep. I would not have noticed it if the sun had not been pouring through the window glinting off the little object. I stooped and picked up a piece of glass. It was the part of a broken bangle. I turned the fragment over my hand. There was something familiar about its colour and design. Did Kusum wear similar similar glass bangles? I went to look for the girl, but she was not at her father's shop. I was told that she had gone down the hill to gather firewood. 
I decided to take the narrow path down the hill. It went round some rocks and cactus and then disappeared into a forest, a bundle of twigs beside her. You're always wandering about alone, I said. Don't you feel afraid? It is safer when I am alone, she replied. Nobody comes here. I glanced quickly at the black bangles on her wrist and noticed that their color matched that of the broken piece. I held out the bit of the broken glass and said, I found it in the Rani's house. It must have fallen. She did not wait for me to finish what I was saying. With a look of terror, she sprang up from the grass and fell in into the forest. I was told, I was completely taken aback. I had not expected such a reaction. Of what significance was the broken mangle? I hurried after the girl, slipping on the smooth pine needles that covered the slopes. I was searching amongst the trees when I heard someone sobbing behind me. When I turned around, I saw the girl standing on the boulder, facing me with the axe in her hands. When Kusum saw me staring at her, she raised the axe and rushed down the slope towards her. I was too bewildered to do anything but stare with open mouth as she rushed at me with the axe. The impetus of her run could have brought her right up against me and the axe coming down would probably have crushed my skull, thick though it is. But while she was still six feet from me, the axe flew out of her hands. It sprang into the air as though it had a knife of its own and came curving towards me. In spite of my wave, weight, I moved swiftly aside. The axe grazed my shoulder and sank into the soft bark of the tree behind me and Kusum dropped at my feet, weeping hysterically. Inspector Kimat Lal paused in order to replenish his glass. He took a long pull at the beer and the froth glistened on his moustache. And then what happened? I prompted him. Perhaps it could have only happened in India and to a person like me, he said. This sudden compassion for the person you're supposed to destroy instead of being furious and outraged, instead of seizing the girl and marching her off to the police station, I stroked her head and said silly comforting thing. And she told you that she had killed the Rani? She told me how the Rani had called her to the house and given her tea and sweets. Mr. Kapoor had been there. After some time, he began stroking Kusum's arms and squeezing her knees. She had drawn away, but Kapoor kept pawing her. She, the Rani, was telling Kusum not to be afraid that no hardened harm would come to her. Kusum slipped away from the man and made a rush for the door. The Rani caught her by the shoulders and pushed her back to the ruin. The Rani was getting angry. Kusum saw the axe lying in a corner of the room. She seized it, raised it above her head and threatened Kapoor. The man realized that he had gone too far and, valuing his neck, backed away. But the Rani, in the great rage, sprang at the girl. And Kusum, in desperation and panic, 
brought the axe down across the rani's head the rani fell to the ground without waiting to see what kapoor might do kusum fled from the house her bangle must have broken when she stumbled against the door she ran into the forest and after concealing the axe among some tall ferns lay weeping on the grass until it was until it grew dark but such was her nature and such the resilience of the youth that she was she recovered sufficiently and to be able to return home looking her normal self and during the following days she managed to remain silent about the whole business what did you do about it i asked kimat lang looked straight in my beery eye nothing he said i did absolutely nothing i couldn't have the girl put away in a remand home it would have crushed her spirit and what about kapoor oh he had his own reasons for remaining quiet as you may guess no the case was closed or perhaps i should say the file was put in my pending tray my promotion too went on into the pending tray it did not turn out very well for you i said no here i am in sapur and still an inspector but tell me what would you have done if you had been in my place i considered this question carefully for a moment or two then said i suppose it would have depended on how much sympathy the girl evoked in me she had killed in innocence then you would have put your personal feelings above the duty to uphold the law yes but i would have not have made a very good policeman exactly still it is a pity that kapoor got off so easily there was no alternative if i was to let the girl go but he did not get off altogether he found himself in trouble later for swindling some manufacturing concern and went to jail for a couple of years and the girl did you see her again when before i was transferred from panoli i saw her occasionally on the road she was usually on her way to school she would greet me with joint palms and call me uncle the beer bottles were all empty and inspector kimat lal got up to leave his final words to me were i should never have been a policeman my friend so friends this was the second part and the last part of a case for inspector lal i hope you enjoyed it till then it is vasu chaturvedi meeting you in the next story